0: preaching in their synagogues, and casting out demons. This is God's word. Thank you, Jared. Uh, Ducks can't save you, they just quack. I don't know if my sermon has any better lines than that, honestly. Uh, Let me pray for us, and then uh, we'll get cracking. Dear Lord, I thank you. For this evening, I thank you for uh, another Sunday mm-hmm. when we can gather with your people and we can sing and we can listen and we can spend time with friends and we can do all of this under this great umbrella of worship that you've gathered your people into for thousands of years. Thank you that we're doing something new and also ancient and thank you that you have loved us. And you continue to love us. Would you teach us to see how Jesus is making the wilderness a new place for us to meet you? Um, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, many years ago, my good friend Mike Almaroth introduced me to an Instagram page called Nature is Metal. It's an awful page, it's, it's terrible. It's basically um, fairly graphic videos of animals throughout nature hunting each other uh, and like eating each other's faces and stuff like that. It's, it's this crazy, off, it's, it's a great page for if you're like a fan of animal cruelty. The author behind this page often writes these very thorough captions where he explains that while these animalistic traits that these posts are showing feel evil or might feel cruel or sadistic in some way, they're not, it's just nature. This is the way that instincts in living beings have developed over time and it's not personal. Nature can be cold And nature can be violent, but it's not personal. It's just nature. It's just the wild. A few short weeks ago, before our story takes place today, our Lord and Savior came out to the wilderness for the first time. He was driven there by the Holy Spirit, and this was just moments after he was baptized. He stayed there for 40 days and he did not eat, and he didn't drink. And he was tempted by Satan there. And as Andy mentioned in the sermon about this a few weeks ago, he was with wild animals, or maybe wild animals were with him. Jesus had just appeared in the story of Mark at this point. As I said, he had just been baptized, and he's immediately thrown into this Dark night of the soul, this 40 dark nights of the soul, where he would be spiritually, emotionally, and physically tormented. And yet he did not waver. Jesus did not show weakness. He persevered as only the Son of God could. And now, today, in our passage, Jesus returns to the wilderness, into this place of darkness into this place of the wild with animals and demons. But this story is very different from the other ones. He doesn't return to the wilderness to be tested. He returns to the wilderness to speak to and to hear from his father. A place of torment has become a place of rescue The place where the enemy's voice was once so painfully clear is now where he goes to sit in the presence of the great and powerful king. This is the point of our message today. That Jesus is taming the wild and desolate places so we can meet him. Jesus is taming the wild and desolate places so we can meet him. One of my favorite pictures of the new heavens and new earth that we see in the Bible comes from Isaiah 11 because it refers to just this, this taming of the places that were at one point wild. It goes like this. The wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat. The calf and the lion and the yearling together And a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear. Their young will lie down together. And the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den. And the young child will put its hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations will rally to him and his resting place will be glorious. His resting place will be glorious. I think that when we consider prayer when we consider these deeply spiritual places that we find ourselves, it's not uncommon to feel like there's some danger involved as well. Prayer is somewhere we often enter into in silence. And I'm very outspoken about the fact that I don't like quiet. It makes me uncomfortable. Just as millennial as it is to say it, I keep the screens alive in my household. I keep the audio playing. The silence can be unbearable. The places that we're often called to meet God are the places where we often feel are very familiar with that voice that is very much not God, that voice of shame, that voice of destruction. And yet when we look at this amazing passage of just zoo animals just living peacefully around each other, a baby sticking his hand in the nest of a bunch of serpents with no concerned mother in sight because there's no concern to be had, we know that these places of danger and fear are becoming peaceful under the reign of King Jesus We know that God has promised to speak a single word over the treacherous places that we find ourselves. The same word that he spoke over the storms that tossed his boat to and fro, peace. So it would be good to consider where our personal wildernesses are, our personal places of darkness I often mention my favorite quote from Charles Spurgeon, which is, the most important book any person will ever read is the book of their own heart. Take the time to explore where our wilderness feels the most dangerous. Take the time to explore that for yourself. I think it's worthwhile. Maybe your wilderness like me is in those places of quiet. Maybe if I turn my mic off right now and we just sat in silence like this, your skin would start to crawl a little bit. Mine would. Reminds me of that song by 21 Pilots. Remember 21 Pilots? They were cool. Um, About the dude's car radio getting stolen and now he hates driving because it's just painfully silent whenever he goes places. Maybe that's your wilderness. Maybe your wilderness is right here. Church. A place of baggage. A place with a history. A place of discomfort for you. Maybe this is your wilderness. For a long time, I felt like my place of wilderness was in my childhood home. For whatever reason, going back there bringing back all of these memories that I didn't want or ask for. Now I'm sleeping in a place that is not a place of rest. It's a wilderness. It's dangerous. And yet the promise is not that we'd stay in these wildernesses forever, but that they would become a place where we can hear our Father, a place where the night would become bright and Full of the presence and goodness of God. So, how do we sit in that tension of seeing a promise in the future but unfulfilled in the present? What do we do? For now, I'd like to invite Ray up to speak with us for a moment, to share a meaningful time when he experienced that tension of in between. So,
1: Ray. Thank you. Um, yeah, I would say, growing up, when I became a Christian, I was a young kid, and when I before that, I had always struggled with anxiety and issues of, you know, just really yeah, anxiety. And I didn't really know what it was really until I was older, um, and I wasn't really able to put a name to it because I didn't know what it was, and. A lot of times when I finally did come to know who Jesus was, I would find myself in prayer, and I would find myself trying to talk to God or trying to say the right things to God and trying to um, figure out what it was that I needed to say to God, and I had no words. Um, There were many times when I was really young when I felt like I just didn't know what to do because I didn't have this really strong... um, You know, I wouldn't say that I grew up in an evangelical home, per se, so I didn't have a lot of backing to really know what to do when it came to approaching God in prayer. And one of the things that was interesting was that a lot of times, really what I was looking for from prayer was actually just comfort and um, the ability to calm my mind down. And one of the things that I just wanted to do so bad in those moments was to just take moments... And not say anything at all and just be there and be able to experience God. And so a lot of times I would find myself just saying, you know what? As wrong as this feels, and as un kind of religious and unnatural um, this, as this feels. I feel like not saying anything in this moment and just experiencing the presence of Jesus here with me now is actually better than me trying to speak words that don't really matter or that are empty. And so there were times where I would sit alone in my childhood room, like uh, John, and, and have anxiety attacks or have issues with anxiety, and instead of actually like praying words to God, I would sit and receive from God um, peace and the ability to move forward because I didn't know what else to do. And it wasn't anyone's fault that that happened. I felt a lot of actual, um, actually, I felt a lot of uh, guilt because at the time I was, the religious people that I was around made it seem like this was the only way you could do something. The only way you can pray is to actually use words or to kind of emote outward and not really receive something for yourself. And so it felt really strange and selfish, but at the same time, it worked. And I was like, oh, that's great. So I continued to, to practice that as a young person. And, you know, as I got older and as I grew and learned what was really happening in my body and in my mind, I mean, honestly, a lot of this didn't even get figured out until maybe five or four years ago, (laughs) which is kind of crazy when you think about it. But uh, as I kind of realized what was happening, um, it's kind of cool to think that there was something much bigger than myself that was actually doing a lot of work beforehand, and I would account that to experiencing Jesus and actually coming into contact with God in a way that... Felt wrong because of what I was experiencing, but was actually the, probably the right thing at the right time.
0: Sorry. You know, I really do love Ray's story because it shows that he was willing to act on the hope in the moment of tension even not knowing and what was like the proper way to move forward i think the fact that he was able to just say i'm going to sit silently and just wait for god without having a a prayer without having words is really meaningful I remember when I was in college, I think the best way for me to put it was that I was, all of the dudes that were kind of discipling me were very emotional, which isn't a bad thing by any means. I think it's a great thing, but I ended up being around a lot of guys who I looked up to who expressed a lot of deep emotion in how they related to their faith. And so every time we're in a worship session together, they're just bawling their eyes out and I'm just sitting there stone-faced and I'm like, oh shoot, I don't think I love the Lord. (laughs) I don't think I love Jesus because I'm not having a response to this. And yet, you know, these moments of continuing to show up even when you don't feel like you belong in that space is really where God reveals himself in a really empower in a really powerful way I think that all of us can learn from these stories of just having the courage to show up when we're only halfway there when we're not 100% sure how much we belong having the courage to show up hoping for something that maybe doesn't pan out in the way that we would long for it to. Having the courage to show up to church wanting to feel something overwhelming but not feeling anything at all for one week, two week, three weeks. Having the courage to meditate silently with God and not hear the word of love that we want to hear. Having the courage to pray for prayers that go unanswered, seemingly unanswered. Having the courage to pray for prayers that feel impossible, praying for world peace, praying for no more wars, praying for God to save everybody, and sit in the tension of having to wait to see just what God's going to do. Having the courage to just keep trying, to just keep putting yourself in that place You know, I want to return us back to the story here because when Jesus went out to pray in the wilderness, he didn't do it because he was sad. Jesus, if you remember last week's sermon, actually had an amazing day the day before he went out to the wilderness. Simon's mother-in-law was sick Jesus healed her, then a bunch of other people told a bunch of other people about this amazing miracle worker. Jesus spent all day healing and casting out demons and curing diseases left and right. The whole town was buzzing about Jesus and how cool this guy was. Jesus had an amazing day. So Jesus didn't go into the wilderness because he was sad or because he needed anything, The people of the town, he was popular. They were looking for him. They wanted more. So Jesus didn't go to pray because he was sad. Jesus went to pray because he needed to remember in that moment who he was. He needed to remember why he was there. He needed to go to pray so that he didn't lose the single sheep while he was chasing the 99. See, I think that we often look at Jesus as if he's often tempted to live this kingly emperor, you know, kind of like warrior life. What I often see is I think Jesus is more tempted to be a normal guy. I think Jesus in this moment, surrounded by popularity and buzzing with people who just loved him, I think his temptation was just to stay. To stay, be comfortable, make some friends, buy a house, meet a nice Israeli girl. I think the temptation for Jesus was just to kind of stop that railroad that was leading him towards a bloody crucifixion and just, you know, kick it in a nice little coastal town off the, off the Sea of Galilee and just have a nice, nice, normal life. I think that's the temptation that Jesus was facing right here. And Jesus needed to spend time early in the morning with his father, in that quiet and desolate place so that he could remember who he was so that with tears, he could say to his disciples, we gotta go. We've, we've, got, we've actually gotta keep moving. There's other people who I need to see and ultimately, there's a greater journey that I'm on that I need to continue going down. That's an important thing to remember about our place of wilderness, our place of prayer, is that it is a place where we recalibrate ourselves to, again, that great north star that is the Lord, the the one who, who loves us and cares for us and made us. He's reminding us who we are He's giving us that guidance of just what it is our life is. That we are serving this this upside down kingdom where the last is first, just like the kids said. That we are pouring our lives out for those around us, but that we are also filled with this unending stream of grace and love from the giver of all good gifts that we are not to make our lives about ourselves, but to serve our neighbors, even our enemies, that we need to recalibrate ourselves into who we are and that that time with God will remind us of that. Because when we show up, we're not just showing up for a battle. We're, we're showing up to declare a battle that's already been won. Jesus did go to the cross. He went head to head with every rough and jagged thing and came out on top. So when we go into the wilderness, we're going into it as victors proclaiming that Jesus has already made this wild place tame. So where we can speak with him with peace in our hearts. The wilderness of prayer is a necessary voyage for all believers. And it may likely come with all of the things that we are afraid of. Those internal fears, anxieties, insults, and lies that we struggle with. But when that small, still voice speaks over you, after you have endured for a little while, only a single word will remain. Beloved, please pray with me. Dear Lord, I, uh, I thank you for making wild places tame. I thank you for a vision of Dangerous places all across the animal kingdom becoming, I don't know, traversable and a place that we can explore and experience. Um, I thank you that when we think of the dangers of solitude and the dangers of prayer, it's you're willing to meet us there, and that you're willing to show us kindness as you always show us kindness. Lord, I thank you for your great mercy over us. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.